From Capybara Media, this is You're Gonna Be Great, the self-care podcast that supports you through life's ups and downs with real mental health and wellness conversations delivered via pop culture. Here's your host, M. Elizabeth Evans. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in for another episode of You're Gonna Be Great. I'm M. Elizabeth Evans, and today we have Alex Davis and China Johnson to talk about ACOTAR and toxic relationships. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Jumping into this, did you guys want to summarize it for anybody who hasn't read the first, I guess it's, we're technically talking about the first and second books in A Court of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass. Um, and there will be spoilers in this episode, guys. So if you haven't read the books or you're currently reading, this might not be the episode for you unless you don't care about us yeah. telling you what's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I feel like this book was like, it had so much happening that it's so hard to like summarize like shortly because yeah. it's a lot of adventure and it's also a lot of like information because it's all character introduction. Yeah. It's a lot of world building. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, the short of it is, you know, there's a young woman who ends up getting, it's a beauty and the beast retelling. So a young woman, um, does a thing and ends up being taken to Feyland um, or Prithian by uh, the High Lord of the Spring Court, Tamlin, where she is held there forever. You know, basically like, paying a debt. Yeah, basically paying a debt. Um, and then things happen she you know and the relationship progresses with them they end up falling in love i guess kind <laughs> of falling in something <clears throat> falling into traps falling into a trap <laughs> and then she finds a real man mm-hmm. night court night court night court <laughs> <laughs> um but what I wanted to talk about was is the the toxic relationship in these two books and how you really don't realize how toxic it is until you know in retrospect like when you're looking back you're like oh my god Tamlin's the fucking worst mm-hmm. but when you're going through it I mean Tamlin's not really my type so even reading A Court of Thorns and Roses I was like yeah he's fine and I was interested in like their like falling in love story. And um, I was interested in their, you know, one sex scene or whatever. Was it? Yeah. Or like however many it was. It wasn't that many. It was like. I don't un- they had any. Yeah. Because it wasn't notable. Yeah. Like, but Tamlin, you suck in bed. Um, I remember reading it. <laughs> she originally wrote that one to be a young adult. Oh, and then later, later in the series, she decided to switch and make them not young adult. So I think she added like one super spicy scene in there, or not even super, but like somewhat spicy scene in there because she decided after writing it that it wasn't young adult anymore. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So it's very mild. For me, it seems like it was probably a traumatic event for her and her family when they lost all that money because they were like wealthy. Yes, they were. Her father was a wealthy merchant. mm -hmm. And then they lost a bunch of money. And then all of their friends in that like high society kind of snubbed them. Yeah. And just like was like, okay, well, you're not part of us anymore. And then yeah, they were like poor and sad. And like Feyre, the main character had to 
like basically provide for her entire family because her dad had just kind of given up. Which is so weird because she's also the yeah. youngest sister. Oh. She's the youngest. I didn't realize but that. It's also weird because her sister is really good at like growing plants. Oh, but she doesn't grow any food. Oh my God. Thank you for pointing <laughs> that out. Like Elaine drives me crazy because like everybody's starving to death and this bitch is over here growing roses. Mm -hmm. I'm like, like put mm, these the roses tree. taste real good. <laughs> Grow a cucumber, Elaine. Damn. Um, potatoes. Pot Anything? Yeah, and I mean, even some herbs that flower, like something contribute. Yeah. Yeah, like we can't just only eat meat. That's really savage. It's really savage. <laughs> Grow some lettuce. I do love like a good rose tea, but oh. I don't think you can survive on that. No, right. I don't. I don't even know if we should. God knows what would happen if we were just living off of Elaine's garden. Everybody yeah. died. Wouldn't be living. <laughs> yeah, withering away. Withering away. So and, thanks a lot, honestly, Elaine. Same. Like, I can't do <laughs> yeah. a garden. I couldn't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I – so off of what Alex was just saying, like, they – so there's a lot of generational trauma there. There's poverty trauma. There's, like, all of this familial trauma. Like, her mom was, like, kind of shitty and, like, cold and distant. Rejection. Um, yeah. And then she ends up being, you know, taken after – the wolf incident um, to Prithian to be with Tamlin. They fall in love, whatever. And, you know, she talks about how it was just really nice to feel secure and safe because like she'd grown up without anything for mm -hmm. so long. They've been in survival mode for so long. And I feel like when you, when you're in survival mode, it's really common for us to look for things that are familiar, but also look for things that we didn't have. So she didn't have food. She didn't have like housing security. Um, like the world, like it was just pure survival. Like she was going out and hunting as like a child, basically to provide for her sisters and her dad um, after they lost their fortune. And, and then she goes, you know, to Tamlin's and she's like, gets really nice clothes which she didn't have and she has all the food she can eat and she has time for like a hobby yeah she has time to paint and just do something that brings her joy for once instead of just being in pure survival mode but i feel like she's also used to being mistreated because like her sister is pretty terrible to her in the first mm. book her mom was apparently very like meh towards her and her dad wasn't amazing either um and then you know so in tamlin's kind of controlling sort of ice like you know isolating shit starts like I think that she's more tolerant of it than maybe you know she yeah. would have been if she had grown up in a really stable environment environment what do you guys think I agree I think that um it's easy to like be in a situation like that where you like fall in love or like have a man that's like providing for you and just being like oh this is what's normal like, this is the normal thing that happens. Like, this is what happens when people fall in love and it's like somebody supports you in that because you live in survival for so long and that's not normal and you know it's not normal because you feel it's not normal. Like, a child shouldn't be providing food for their entire family. Yeah, or taking care of their siblings. Right. And so when you, like, find a person who's, like, doing that for you, I mean, I feel like that's just, like, the bottom line of uh, daddy issues. <laughs> Right. I mean, like that's 
that's like the definition of it. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like maybe I'm jumping the gun on this, but like our initial introduction to him is so intense. Like uh, he, the very first con, like not concept, but like just impression that she gets of him is this wild beast who literally breaks down her door mm-hmm. and then knocks her out like immediately with magic, but like knocks her out so that he doesn't and have to interact with her. Yeah. And that's, that's just like our interact. And then we're supposed to like him. <laughs> yeah. And then- supposed to be like, Oh, okay. He's not bad. Right? Like he saved her. Yeah. He, he rescued her from like her hobble or whatever, but then like, also, and this is really fucked up, he sent his wolf friend out to be killed by a human with hate in their heart. So she does exactly what he needed, you know, to be free of the curse. And then they fucking shame her and guilt her for it. Yeah. Like Lucian and Tamlin are just like, you savage bitch. Like you killed my friend. You <laughs> know, that's exactly what they needed her to do. And at the same time, like... I, I like I don't understand how that dynamic didn't like not work for the curse because she didn't kill that wolf out of hatred. She killed it because that wolf was going to kill what she was trying to kill for dinner. Like her family wouldn't have lived. That's I true. Didn't even think about that. That's true. Although she does have a, an internal dialogue moment in that part where she's like good riddance to one last fairy. If it was Faye, even though she didn't think mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. but she she does make that want like have that one mental thought and maybe that's what it was yeah although it's not like she was out like slaughtering Faye. right it was like you like i'm gonna get this before you do yeah like i have to yeah, or my sister will to die do this. my lazy ass my horrible sister sister can't do anything <laughs> for themselves i'm the only one i feel like i feel like when i read that scene at least i initially thought she did suspect that it was maybe fairy but she just didn't care Mm -hmm. that's that's a little bit how i took that scene because like she she thinks about it so thoroughly and she keeps remarking on like how big of a wolf it is and stuff and i i have a really hard time imagining that like if i lived in a world where there are like normal wolves and then magical wolves and i saw a wolf of a remarkable size i'd be like yeah no that's a magic wolf <laughs> like right. like i don't know i think she all. knew <laughs> that's true but I like she how, might have known she might have known but like how fucked up is it that like they wanted her to kill it and then are like yeah, shame, it was an shame girl crap. yeah how dare you have done this thing we wanted you to do and then, like, and um, then for him to bust down her door and be like, "I could kill your whole family, or you can just come with me." Yeah, and it's like, um, yeah, yeah I guess I'm coming with yeah. you. And then she finds out later on that the whole thing was made up, mm-hmm. like that. Basically, like they had to break this curse to free the ma- free his magic, and like she had been manipulated into this entire ordeal. Like he'd been manipulating her, and like lying to her from the start basically i'm really surprised she didn't have any sort of like dissociation reaction after she left right (laughs) like i would have real (laughs) what's real (laughs) right well and then when she finds out um china like you mentioned before before we started recording 
the, the, like he had hidden all of the servants and stuff, like everything mm-hmm, like glamoured had everything. been glamoured. I just feel like overall, like, I don't know. Yes, it adds a lot of tension. It adds a lot of like, oh, this is like, and it makes you want to read it. It's very right. exciting. 100%. But at the same time, all of his initial actions, it's isolating, it's threatening, and it's, I don't know, it's just like everything negative that you don't want. I was going to sit and like list every red flag, but that's too many. But it's yeah. just like, you literally raise your voice, isolate her, threaten her all within like the first few interactions. It's like, wow, big shocker. She doesn't like you. <laughs> right. And then can, but even after he starts showing his good side and showing that they're like truly underneath the beast, he's like a kind man who only has eyes for her. Then you still, there's still, you know, a lot of revealing that he's been manipulating her the whole time, like mm-hmm. by clamoring the whole house. It's like, by, it's, yeah, it's, he's like gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, like maybe he wasn't able to tell her about the curse, whatever, but he didn't have, they didn't have to like shame her and make her feel bad about it either. Right. And then, um, but like, I think the interesting thing about it, and I think that many of us have been in relationships like this. I know that I certainly have. And, and this is what I think makes Sarah J. Mass such a brilliant writer because like she is an amazing writer. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when I was reading it, there were things in the very beginning that I was like, oh, cringe. But then <laughs> like them falling in love was believable. And I was like, oh, maybe he's not that bad, I guess. And then like you read it and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. He's fine. And then when you, when, as the book goes on and she meets Brisand, and you look back on the stuff that Tamlin was doing, then you can really clearly see like that it was really manipulative and controlling and emotionally abusive the whole time. Yeah. Well, then like the best compliment that he like, well, I don't know if it's the best compliment. I can't remember for sure, but like at least the initial first kind words that he says are your hair looks clean. Right. Or something like that. And you're like, oh, wow, he's being nice. And then you think about it later and you're like, wow, that's like, <laughs> that's not even a compliment. It's no. just an observation. No. And like, he totally, it's like nagging, you know, yeah. when oh my God, yeah. nagging to like make you feel bad about yourself, but also feel like you owe them something at the same time. Like, that's like what yeah. he's doing. Mm-hmm. But like, you're yeah. right. At the time you're like, oh, look at him trying. And then, then, like, when you, in hindsight, you're like, what a piece of shit. Like, you could see it <laughs> the whole time. He was a complete piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder how much, um, how much influence for us, like, our age readers have from growing up on Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. Like, that being, like, the most romantic, like, story as when we were children. That he was just, like, this horrible beast that, like... This needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's like, that's like what we learned when our minds were still very plastic. Yeah, no, that's true. And I read, God, where did I read it? Some psychologist, I'll have to write it in the caption to give her credit, but some psychologist I follow recently posted something about how people who grow up in toxic environments or toxic homes, like often dream about being rescued. Mm. And so I think that that whole concept, the reason it works on so many of us is because 
so many of us grow up in in environments that are unstable and like dream about you know that's why we love these you know Cinderella Beauty and the Beast like all of these stories are about rescuing what Harry Potter even yes Mm -hmm. it's all about being rescued from like trauma or like abuse or neglect and being you know swept away into a better life and I think that that's why it's you know so appealing like you're reading this book like or which it's based on Beauty and the Beast and Mm -hmm. you're just like oh like yeah yes thank god like somebody's taking care of this woman finally because like she's been through so much and then and then you meet Resand and you're like oh yeah we can have safety and security and emotional health like that is a thing that you can have respected feel respected and like an equal and have friendship too I think that's something that's missing a lot from like her and Tamlin is they have attraction to each other, but they don't really have friendship. They right. don't have friendship. And he doesn't even want her to be friends with Lucian. Yeah. Doesn't he make a few comments about Lucian seeming too friendly towards mm-hmm. her? And like, he doesn't want them alone together. Yeah. Damn. I wanted that to happen initially. Like <laughs> Lucian and her have a good rapport together. I, I had that thought too. I had that thought too. When I was reading it, I was like, Tamlin is not the best Lucian <laughs> is at least trying to be her friend mm-hmm. like when the, when she's in the forest like trying to trap the what are they called the the things that tell surreal yeah so he's at least like well she can do it and like yeah like believed in yeah her. and like but he still like kind of stalked her you yeah. know the whole thing and was like well just in case she can't do it I'll be here yeah which is annoying yeah which Tamlin like to protect her like she was like a fragile breakable ornament which like i wanted to bring up the difference between like really insecure men who need to control and push down their partners versus strong secure men who can handle someone who challenges them and i felt like tamlin was always isolating her telling her she couldn't defend herself trying to be her great protector for him because he didn't want to lose her it was still Mm -hmm. all about him Mm -hmm. And then Resand was like, I love you enough to trust you and believe in you and like push you and I'm here for you, but also like you can do it yourself to the point where he like fucking hands her to the weaver and is like, I'm right (laughs) at the chimney, bitch. Like you can do it. You can do it. I'll just be lounging on this branch like an asshole. Mm -hmm. But like, because he completely believed in her. Yeah. Like he sees like equity in their relationship in their future. Yeah. Tamlin never saw that. Even though, even though Feyre literally saved his life Mm -hmm. and his future. And the whole fucking, like all of Prithian. Yeah. Like the entire, and then he locks her away. And then like, oh, it's not going to be safe for you. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I just save you? Yeah. Did I just complete three horrific tasks mm-hmm. in front of a large audience, uh-huh. in front of an evil witch, and <laughs> save you from her curse? <laughs> what part of this do you not, like, get that I'll be fine if I come with? Right. Like, and you'll be fine if I come yeah, with. Yeah, you'll probably be better off with me, yeah. asshole. <laughs> like, she literally, literally died for him. Yeah. She pushed herself to the limit. Mm -hmm. And he still doesn't see her strength. Yeah. Just stay with little acrylic paints. Yeah. 
that part was so hard when he's like I got you all this painting stuff so you can just like stay in your little room and paint everything it's like paint well, your you'll never have them <laughs> and like I'm a painter that's 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 my thing mm -hmm. and so reading all of that I was like hell yeah give me the fucking paints like that was really appealing the idea of just like yeah. having a place to hang out and paint all day and not have anything else to do fantastic but once it became like a trap for her instead of like supporting her passion that's mm -hmm. when it that's when I was like oh well maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. I don't like this yeah for sure like here's your little hobby to like distract you from whatever the hell I'm doing seriously it was like giving her an iPad while at dinner <laughs> like giving a child an iPad here yeah. don't listen to mom and dad fight <laughs> Put your headphones on and watch your little YouTubes. Oh my God. Yeah. It, 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 it went from him supporting a hobby, which was, ah, to like him being like, do like, you know, embroider napkins, paint your little pictures, yeah. be a good wifey, wear this poofy dress. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I love that when Resand shows up to rescue her from the wedding, He's just like, what the fuck are you wearing? Like, <laughs> what are you wearing? What are you doing? Are you like, okay? are you okay? Also learn how to read. Like, yeah, that's one thing that like really turned Resand for me. Like I was kind of always like recent, like team Resand. I thought it was weird that he was like bargaining for like two weeks of the month mm -hmm. for, for her, because I thought it was going to be something creepy and sexual, but then I wasn't she even mad about that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but then she goes there and he's like, hey, you're going to learn how to read. Like he was doing things to like help her and like benefit her and not like the weird creepy shit we anticipated. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, I knew this was a good guy. Yeah, like, you texted me. You're like, is he really just going to teach her yeah. how to read? Is that all that he's going to do? And I was just like, yes. Yeah. That was he's all, these are vowels. Consonants yeah. are a thing. Um, it was funny too that he was like making her read like Resand is so sexy and <laughs> Resand is the best warrior and like that part was so funny to me. Yeah, like I was like laughing out loud at that part. Like, oh my god! So he is just a man, but he's like not that bad. <laughs> well, and like that is exactly what I mean by they have a friendship too. Yeah, like he well he's teaching her how to read and stuff. He's flirting with her, absolutely. But to an extent, he's also just kind of teasing her. Like he's poking at her and they're developing this friendship rapport instead of just like, I'm sexy and mean. Like it's, yeah, I love that. I love so much that he wants to have that friendship with her. Cause I think that's so important in a healthy relationship is to have more than just a sexual relationship. And so I love that. I love it so much. Yeah, I I do too. And I and Tamlin is just like, you know, he's the rescuer and like put you in a tower and put you in pretty things and but everything ultimately is about him having like a fun doll to play with when he feels like it. Mm -hmm. And Resand was more about creating, like you said, a friendship and being equal and everything he did was to benefit her. I loved the comparison of how Tamlin was like, I'll write your family for you. Mm. And then she goes with Resand and Resand's like, no, I'm going to teach you how to do it your fucking self. Like yeah. everything was about teaching her how to do it herself. Mm -hmm. Like it was, you know, he didn't want to be her savior. He wanted to be a friend mm -hmm. and to be, he wanted her to save herself, which I thought was 
is just also such a beautiful message and a reminder for people who grew up with shit is that like you can ultimately save yourself. Right. Like mm-hmm. brought to you by Resound and the Night Court. Night Court. Night Court. Night Court. <laughs> Do you guys have favorite nicknames for the characters? Favorite nicknames? Yeah. For some reason, like I love, I love that people call Tamlin Tampon. Yeah. But I, I also <laughs> I have not heard that. I don't no. think I've heard any nicknames for anybody. No, yeah. I, I love that people call Tamlin Tampon. I think that's hilarious. Cause like your phone, your phone auto corrects Tamlin to Tampon. And it's just so appropriate. <laughs> that's so funny. It's I love funny. that. And then I like calling him Tim Tam because it just like Tim Tam. Yeah. <laughs> I like found myself calling him Tam a lot and then not realizing that it's not Tam it's Tamlin because I read the Wheel of Time series and Mm. um, like the main character's dad's name is Tamlin but everybody calls him Tam nice yeah so I just got used to calling him Tam (laughs) and now it seems strange I am definitely better tampon is like so fitting I love it I think my favorite one is shadow daddy for yeah, Asriel, mm-hmm. like there's nothing more fitting to me than calling Asriel Shadow Daddy. Yeah, because like you know he's gonna be into some real kinky shit. Like <laughs> I'm just waiting for it. For this I next did, book. I mm-hmm. did refer to Nesta as Nasty Nesta <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, because you love Nesta. in a great way. I do. Nesta is probably my favorite character yeah. in the entire series. Yeah, the first you and I can disagree on that, but that's okay. <laughs> the, like the first book it was like hey don't be resentful like she's literally hunting and like saving you uh-huh. we get it you're spoiled but like chill um but then like later in the series it was like oh esta hell yeah yeah like get get that she has a good redemption story yes like when she becomes valkyrie and stuff yeah i do like Nesta a lot it's true i i think they i think that sarah j mass does a really really good job just in handling like trauma in general in a really authentic way. And, um, and I think that she on purpose, because I noticed that when she's dealing with Tamlin and Resand, she wants you almost to fall for Tamlin. And she does all of these things that show him being quote unquote kind in a rescuer kind of way, but then redoes them with Resand mm-hmm. to show you the healthy way that they should be done. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that, and I think that she does a really good job in like, in that way of showing like a, what emotional abuse looks like, like how subtle it can be mm-hmm. to where mm-hmm. like when you're in it, you feel like you're loved and taken care of, but then in hindsight, like, or, or in comparison with a healthy relationship, you can like see side by side, like how it just wasn't yeah, and how like, I mean, I know that growing up, like when I was dating it as like a teenager or in college, even in my twenties. Like it was really easy um, because of my um, kind of chaotic upbringing to like not be able to recognize the red flags until I was looking back at them. Mm -hmm. Like being like, oh, so-and-so did all of these things that was so nice and so normal um, only to realize like later on, like they weren't normal. They were my normal, which Mm -hmm. wasn't healthy. Right. And and then like (laughs) before... Uh, we started recording Alex and I were like sharing stories of growing up and like dating and just like looking back and being like, Oh wow. Like Yikes. the things that we thought were okay. And yeah. like only realize now are not okay. Like I, yeah. I think I had a really hard time with reading the first and second book 
because all of that stuff kind of started flooding back for me. Like I flooded out a lot reading those books Mm -hmm. because I was just like, oh my God, like so much time lost to tampons, Mm -hmm. tampons, like so much time (laughs) lost to tampons. Um, You know? Yeah. I think Um, also the author does a really good job of like showing um, like the result of growing up in survival and like how, mm -hmm. uh, how it manifests in other people, especially like women, like how Nesta is like hypersexual, um, like when she goes off on her stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also like very proud and very like guarded. Yeah. And how Feyre is just like overprotector, like, Uh like, like manages her family and like, make sure everything's perfect and is overly overly responsible and like is just like the savior of her family and then elaine is like fame like feigning <laughs> like she's just not here she's checked out yeah she like she's just fucking weeding and growing mm-hmm. some lilacs yeah i like i read a study about um about how how it results in like childhood and in the children of people who have abusive parents Uh and um it's it's really like those three things and then also um addiction Mm -hmm. um and it and it manifests in a pattern of like a birth order as well which is really strange to me I'm not surprised by that like because when I look back you know I I was the oldest and so there's a lot of parentification in my family Mm -hmm. like um you do the job that like we're not able to do right now because like we're young crazy parents taking care of our stuff um and then like my my middle brother he's he passed away Mm -hmm. um he was a drug addict or struggled with addiction and um and then my little brother very much has kind of always struggled with like figuring out who he is like a lot of kind of I think disassociation and like fawning and stuff Mm -hmm. um but also we, there's massive age gaps. Like my youngest brother is 10 years younger than me mm-hmm. and then oh, wow. five. And then I have like a whole entire other family on my dad's side as he was trying to genetically alter all of America with Persian genes. He's like spreading my seed <laughs> throughout the continent. Um, but I saw it manifest similarly also on that side. Um, so that doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, but I think that like that 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 like pattern of writing like compared to like real world like issues at least as far as like growing up in trauma goes um was really like makes characters really relatable oh, yeah. to a lot of different people. Mm. Yeah. And like a little oh sorry China. No, you're good. I I was going to say I think one of the things that's done really well too uh as far as like you know, her representing trauma and stuff. Uh, well, I guess not so much trauma, but with Tamlin, she does have some really beautiful moments still. Um, and I feel like that's that's part of the reason that it's so successful in, like, convincing you that he's not a bad guy. Because, mm-hmm. like, in an unhealthy relationship, it's not always all bad. True. And, mm-hmm. like, they have that really fun moment where they go to the lake together and she kind of like is easing a little bit and starting to feel attracted towards him. And same with him. There's, there is a little bit of a friendship forming there. And it's just like this like light point in their relationship together. Um, And I, I love that she does have those moments where that's not really tainted by anything. Like it, she still has 
healthy, happy moments inside of an unhealthy relationship. And I think that that's really cool that she shows that. Yeah. Through. Yeah, because you she, have to fall into the trap to be tricked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think that that's a really smart thing to point out. Yeah. Um, that Because a lot of people, you know, when you're in a toxic relationship, like friends and stuff are just like, they hear you, you know, complaining or like you see a friend in an unhealthy relationship and you're just like, oh, it's like super easy, just leave. But like what yeah. you see is that like a lot of the relationship is good and there's a lot of connection in, in areas and it's not all bad. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also, I think, um, how it, why it takes people a really long time to realize they're in an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Um, and maybe don't even realize until like they're out of it mm -hmm. is because of that. And I also don't know if you guys have experienced like outside of that, but like seeing a friend going through it mm -hmm. and trying mm -hmm. to help them like understand and like trying to be supportive of like their independence. And they're so far into it that they, that your friendship drifts because it's like, well, if you don't support my partner, then you don't support me. Yeah. And that is so hard to like, like just have to take a step back and be like, she'll understand like one day and I'll be here for her. But like, the more you push an issue, the further you get from her. Mm -hmm. And that that's a really devastating like thing that yeah. happens, but it's, it happens. Like you have to be supportive of your friends. Like that's part of friendship. Well, and Misty and I were talking about it a little bit before too, but like when you're in a toxic relationship like that, it somewhat almost just feels like passion. It doesn't, it doesn't always feel toxic. Sometimes it feels like you're in a really passionate relationship because you're always like feeling these high emotions and it's, it's not necessarily something that you're immediately like, Oh, this is a negative high emotion. You're just like, Oh, this is a high emotion. We feel a lot for each other, but yeah. like a lot of that can be <laughs> anger and upset, but it still feels like passion. Yeah, so. I don't know if you guys have seen, like, I think it's, like, starting to trend on TikTok, that episode of Roseanne, where Jackie no. is, like, she, like, was beat up by her partner, and she goes to her house, and, like, um, Darlene sees bruises on her back, and tells her mom, Roseanne, and Roseanne's, like, Darlene said that you have, like, bruises all over your back, and, like, lifts up her shirt and looks, and she's, like, what the hell happened to you, and Jackie's, like, it's not his fault, like, it's my fault, I shouldn't have pushed an issue, I shouldn't have done this mm -hmm. and Roseanne was like can you hear yourself like are you even listening and it's like that part is that part of the show is like so because Jackie was a cop like she like knows like the signs of that and she still kind of like fell into it like it's so easy to like fall for this weird shit that like people do to each other where it's like how like how how do you look at yourself and like me like think that it's your fault and it's like entirely because you're being manipulated and gaslit and like mm -hmm. you've like lost reality yeah and well and it's a lot of what we were talking about before like there's usually a lot of isolation there's a lot of negging mm -hmm. like convincing you that like or maybe you already believed that you weren't good enough and they just kind of feed into that mm -hmm. or um there's a lot of detaching from friends and people mm -hmm. who, you know, would contradict those like bad ideas that you have about yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's like the fact that when you fight all the time, when things are really intense, 
um, when there's like really sweet moments, I think that's really heightened. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like when your partner acts like a total psycho, but then is like really warm and sweet and takes care of you when you're sick, like that stuff really stands out. And it goes back, I feel like to family of origin stuff where if you had a family that was really chaotic, or maybe there was a lot of screaming or there was a lot of like instability. Yeah. Then like it also can feel normal to you, like mm -hmm. where you're just like, oh, yes. Um, this is just a thing that people do to people they love. And like, that's just what this is. And, mm -hmm. and like you learn in childhood, how to navigate those situations. Yeah. And so you feel like you can handle it. Mm -hmm. There's also this, like, I feel like idea a lot where we're, where I think it happens often to, to really strong people yeah. because they have this idea, like I can handle it. Like I can handle it. I grew up with it. I can handle it. Um, mm -hmm. which, you know you realize later on when you finally get out of it that like you shouldn't have had to right because like there are people out there like resand who will treat you right yeah like there's there's always at least somebody yeah you know that will true see and what's happening and anyone out there who might be finding themselves in this situation there are resources and i will put those in the comments yeah, where absolutely. you can get help reach out to a friend um and and we're out of time thanks for listening to you're gonna be great you can always find episode notes and the transcript on the website, You're Gonna Be Great. Follow us on Instagram at You're Gonna Be Great to see what's next. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to share it with your friends or take a moment to leave a review. Thanks so much. See you next week. And remember, you're gonna be great.